they've always been an organization that values production. But every now and then, I think you can strategically say, okay, this one maybe falls outside the lines, but it's just a pretty special talent. If you're going to take a wide receiver, to me, I don't really see the value in sticking and picking. I, I would think at that point in time, you trade back, get some extra value, and uh, you'll have plenty of good options there in the second round. I'm going to steal that. I'm stealing that. It's going to be on path to the draft in the next 24 hours. You just got to give me credit. Oh, just boy. And, you know, give me annotation. Don't, do not do that. <laughs> oh, there's, there's no credit coming, pal. That is, uh, this is thievery. This is just pure thievery. Welcome into the lounge. The draft is less than three weeks away. It is here, Garrett. Uh, and we have one of the biggest names, one of the, the premier Draft Nicks. I don't know if he calls himself a draft Nick. Does anybody call himself a draft Nick anymore? Or is that just a term I made up? I think you made that up. I think <laughs> even when you write that, you know, in Microsoft Word, it, it comes up as an inaccurate spelling. It's just a made you up get the word. Little red, you get the red, you get the red squiggly. Line. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Every time. I just, I just, I just blow past the red <laughs> squiggly, man. I'll play by those rules. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> anyway, we have Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network here. Uh, former Raven scout, just, he, he's he's got his uh, finger on the pulse of all things draft and many other things. So this is one of the, the head honchos. Yeah, for sure. Daniel, as I'm sure most of our fans know, is an NFL Network analyst. Their top draft analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at Move the Sticks. He also has a podcast that he hosts along with Bucky Brooks, another great draft analyst. Uh, it's the Move the Sticks podcast. So a uh, little plug there for, for DJ's podcast. Um, and I think most of our fans probably know this, but uh, Daniel was a long time. Uh, he was a scout before he was an analyst, and he was a scout under Eric DaCosta and Joe Ortiz. Uh, he cut his teeth in the Ravens organization, so he knows the inner workings of this organization um, better than anybody. He talks to a lot of people in this organization. He's got a lot of friends here, so uh, he's got great analysis, and I- I'm really excited to pick his brain on a variety of topics because I just feel like this is a draft where the Ravens could go so many different directions. Um, yeah. They've got different holes to fill. They could trade up. They could trade back. I mean, there's potential for them to trade way up. I I just think that there's just a lot of moving parts this year in my mind, more than I can remember in past years, and I'm really interested to see what insight he has on it. One last thing about Daniel and his role with the Ravens. You know, he used to be the guy. I don't know how how many years he did this, but we have video of him calling in the pick. Yeah. Right? Like, he's in the Ravens draft room, and he calls it in. And do you think the Ravens would ever trust you with that job, Garrett? Or you just botch it? Oh, I would nail it. Just mispronounce the name. It. No, I would nail you, it. You would mispronounce the name, and they pick the wrong guy. You know, like, they took a guy who was expected <laughs> to go in the sixth round. You're like, you know. Yeah, it's like... Um, how you have Lamar Jackson, the quarterback from Louisville, but then there was also a cornerback, Lamar Jackson. I forget where he went yeah. to college. Nebraska, I Nebraska. Think. We end up with a corner from Nebraska in the first round. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't enunciate quarterback. <laughs> you, they're like, oh, oh, cornerback. Yeah, yeah, we got you. Wow, that's a reach, but all right, we got you. See, that's, they never trust you with that job. No, I would nail it. I would nail it. I'd knock it out of a park. So, um, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, not waste any more time and jump into this conversation with DJ. Thrilled to be here with you, Daniel. Uh, let's start off the top here. I mean, you nailed your pick last year with Patrick Queen in your final mock draft. So, first of all, I think a little pat on the back. If you want to give it to yourself, go ahead, you know. Uh, well, here's the problem. If I accept the pat on the back from the Baltimore Ravens, 
I don't know what the rest of the other like 26 teams do to me where it was nowhere near close. So I'm not going to, I'm not falling for that trap. That's the punch in the gut. That's the punch in the gut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just one of these. (laughs) So, so I guess the the leading question is, you know, we're three weeks away from the draft. How confident are you in that you have the Ravens pick nailed down this year? Uh, no, no confidence whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, first of all, it's a vault over there. Uh, those guys, they'll keep everything close to the best. So you're not going to get anything out of the building. Um, there's sometimes where you can kind of match up the need and you're like, okay, this, you know, this kind of makes sense and really, really fits there. There's so many different ways they can go, um, and, and where they're picking. And this year without the, uh, without the combine, without getting out at pro days, um, you don't get as much face-to-face time with these these teams as you would in years past, so it's uh, it's unusual. It's a little bit harder to get a, a gauge for uh, for what way they might be leaning. So, Daniel, right now your your pick, you know, as we're talking about mock drafts, let's just continue the conversation yeah. there a little bit. You have J- Jason Oa, yeah. pass rusher from Penn State for the Ravens at twenty-seven. Tell me what you like about him. Well, you know, it's I, I mentioned this the other day on TV because you know they, they've always been an organization that values production, you know, and so when you look at Jason Away, this flies in the face of that. They have a stack this year, as everybody knows. But to me, while the production might not be there, the dis- disruption is, and he's somebody that just creates a lot of havoc. Uh, unique with his with his size speed combination, uh, he can collapse the pocket. You see him convert speed to power, which is huge, and he plays really really hard. And then you add on top of that, the character stuff is off the charts. So you, you feel very comfortable from that standpoint. He's not a finished product. Um, he still needs to develop a plan as a rusher. But to me, I think the, uh, you know, the canvas you have with to work with here is really, really good. So it would be, again, a little bit of a departure in terms of the lack of production from what uh, Eric and company have typically done there. Uh, but I made an exception in this case. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. You kind of took my follow-up question before I even got a chance to ask it because I've just been, had it ingrained in oh, me yeah. from hearing from Eric over the years. You know, even Matthew Judon, ton of sack production. Yep. Jalen Ferguson was a guy that set the sack record all the way back to Terrell Suggs. Like, they really seem to value that. But but you think that he has enough tools that they could overlook it? Well, look, you don't make a habit of making exceptions um, <laughs> and you get yourself in trouble. But every now and then, I think you can strategically say, okay, this one maybe falls outside the lines, um, but it's just a pretty special talent. So uh, to me, that's why you know I look at that as a, as a possibility there. Now, you want to ask me what my confidence level is? Uh, <laughs> 14% maybe uh, <laughs> at most, but uh, – no, I do think trying to find somebody with some real juice off the edge would be a priority. Yeah, it, it seems like the uh, verdict is really still out on how to like rank those edge rushers. There's a bunch of talented guys oh, yeah. who are all going to the first round, and everybody seems to have a different kind of lineup, you know. And you know, Aziz Ojulari is another popular pick that we've seen a lot yeah. in Baltimore. You know, how do you kind of rank those guys? Uh, you know, you obviously had Ojulari going ahead, you know, of uh, yeah. Owe. You know, do you which of those guys do you feel like if they're there? Oh yeah, that's that's a perfect Ravens edge rusher. You know. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the guy who would kind of make the most sense from that standpoint is Quiddy Pay, uh, just because of how how hard he plays, how physical he is. Um, he makes a lot of sense there. I, I would say maybe a name that people I think I might have put him there in one of these mock drafts, but Joe Tryon from Washington. Or I don't know that other people are as high on him as I am. And maybe it's a scenario where, you know, Eric's able to trade back a little bit, get some extra picks and take him at the thirties. But to me, he has production. He's got the size and the length, that big frame that you, that you want at the position. 
and, and can play with some power. So uh, that one matches up pretty well with kind of historically uh, what the Ravens have looked at. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, if you want to talk about just the, the size, the length, and the, the production, it's off the charts. Didn't play this year, and so there's pro day wasn't great. And I know some people are killing him on that because he looked real stiff. Um, but if you look at his ten time and his takeoff, he's actually got a was like a one five seven, which is incredible for somebody uh, that big. So I've got burst, I've got length, and he's got production. That's a it's a pretty good trio. Right. I noticed you didn't have Zayvon Collins in your first round, which was just kind of interesting to me. Do you feel yeah. like you know? And because I look at him and. I know he's kind of a hybrid inside linebacker kind of guy, and yeah. the Ravens are pretty set at that position. But but Wink also likes that positionless football, you know, and he seems to be a guy that fits in there. Do, yeah. you, do you think he could be a, a player that's of interest to the Ravens and would be a value late first round? Well, I'll date myself a little bit here, but to me, when I was looking for comps for him, he was a taller AD, Adelius Thomas, yeah. who he reminded me of. And, you know, Adelius moved around in, in Baltimore with Rex, kind of able to make that all work. Then New England pays him a bunch of money and tried to plug him in, and it didn't, it didn't work. Right. And so with Zavin, I think Zavin's a very special talent. Um, I love his versatility. But in terms of like some of that short area quickness stuff as an off-the-ball linebacker, I think, okay, he'd be lacking a little bit. And then on the edge, is he going to be you know violent physical enough to hold up there? So I have a good grade on him. I can tell you where he is on my overall list. I have him as my 25th player. So I have him as one of my top 32 players in the draft. But, you know, again, sometimes I, I like the positionless thing too, especially guys that can really run and cover. Um, but other teams are saying, okay, where exactly are we going to, you know, fill him in and plug him in for where you can be really successful. Right. So let's take a look at wide receiver. Obviously, there's plenty of buzz about the Ravens taking a wide receiver early, even again after the addition for the for the tenth straight okay. year. <laughs> I know you can just we can just run the tape from this question from the last three years <laughs> we've done this interview with Daniel. Um, but but do you look at you know when you look at these guys in the first round, uh, the ones who I think are probably getting the most buzz as potential options for for the Ravens are Terrace Marshall Jr., yeah. uh, Rashad Bateman. Do you think that those guys would be good options, and do you think that they are first round talents? I think they're really good players. Um, I, again, let me pull it up here and see where I have them. Um, Terrace Marshall is my 37th player. I think Bateman I have in the 40s. Uh, Bateman is 48. So for me, it would be more of a trade down scenario than than stick and pick. Um, you know, if you are going to go wide receiver, just because as every year there's just so many of them. Um, to me, I think you you get somebody else to pay a premium to come up for maybe an offensive lineman. Uh, or one of those pass rushers, I, I think you would have an option to kind of slide back a little bit if you'd like to do that. So if you're going to take a wide receiver, to me, I don't really see the value in sticking and picking. I, I would think at that point in time, you trade back, get some extra value, and uh, you'll have plenty of good options there in the second round. Is, is Kadarius Tony in that same kind of list for you? Uh, Kadarius, to me, is, is you know doesn't really fit what I would think they would be looking right. for. You know, Kadarius is really dynamic. Um, again, I think I feel like to have that type of player to me, I feel like trying to find that power forward receiver would, uh, would be a little bit higher on the priority list, which points to a guy like Terrace Marshall more than anybody else. Right. Everyone talks about the draft is deep at receiver who were, and we spent so much time talking about the first round, but yeah. who were maybe some of the mid round guys that you do like at receiver who could potentially help Baltimore? Well, there's an intriguing group. I thought last year we had some of the bigger guys in, in the second in the second day. When you look at, you know, you had Mims, you had Claypool, um, you had, uh, oh gosh, T. Higgins. There was a bunch of guys, like big receivers, uh, Pittman, 
we, we don't really have that many guys like that in this year's draft class. But, you know, outside that first group a little bit later on, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, kind of a, more of a slot receiver. Nico Collins would be an interesting one um, who lost, a, you know, he's lost weight since we last saw him. So he was an opt out. Uh, but you go back and watch him. You're like, OK, this is a big, physical, strong, powerful guy. And then he shows up at the senior bowl. And I'm like, where's the rest of him? Like he, he lost like, I don't know. He lost like 15 pounds or something like that. He was, he was 604-1215 and he had played closer to 230. Wow. And then he ran 445. So, you know, dropping that weight, I thought he quickened up a little bit. And so that's again, you know, trying to, if you're trying to find that bigger guy, that would be a name to me. I would keep an eye on. Interesting. I need the Nico Collins diet. That's what I need to do right there. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm trying to figure out the quarantine thing where like some people went way down and others went way up. I, I, I don't know. I, I was using it as an excuse. I mean, all right, of course I can't lose a bunch of weight. It's quarantine. I got other people saying, yeah, I lost tons of weight, you know, quarantine. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, the Ravens thinking and you know how this offense kind of operates, you know, it's a run heavy offense. It, it, yeah. They already invested a first round pick in Hollywood. You know, they just went out and got Sammy Watkins. Would, would you be surprised if they use their first pick, let's let's not say it's necessarily yeah. first round, but even a trade back into the high second round, would you be surprised if that first pick was a wide receiver? I think I would be a little bit surprised. Again, I I just think you know trying to add more pass rushers, more pass rushers is is kind of a is something I would look at. I mean, the corner depth that they have is outstanding, mm-hmm. um, but when you look at that defense, invest in the linebacker position last year with Queen. I think again, trying to keep keep that uh, wheel spinning here and keep adding more defensive linemen that can get home would make a lot of sense. Oh wait, I forgot. I wanted to ask you a follow up on the pass rushers just to rewind. Just yeah. go back there, um, Ojulari. <laughs> so I met, I brought him up. If he's on the clock, if he's available when the Ravens are on the clock, yeah. do they run that up there? I think he's a good match uh, with, with what they look for and how he plays. And again, coming out of the SEC makes a lot of sense as well. Um, for me, he's right about there on my list. He's my, yeah, he's my 29th player. So he's, yeah, he's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little bit tight. He's got some ankle tightness, but again, length, uh, speed to power. He's got a real good swipe move and he's done it in the sec. I think right. those are things that the Ravens have traditionally valued. And if you're going to say, okay, who kind of reminds me of a Raven type player? He, he fits the bill. You, you really like mm-hmm. Jalen Phillips, right? I mean, and that's a guy who could potentially slide, right? I mean, because because yeah. there's the question marks off the field. And he, he what, kind of yeah. retired from football. Like, like if we, I always feel like with the Ravens, they never take, except for in the case of Ed Reed, right, when he was whatever, the yeah. 24th player, and they were pick number 24. <laughs> yeah. Like, they always get somebody yeah. that slides. Like, every year. Yeah. So whenever it's like, oh, you say he's the 27th or 29th best player on your board, I'm like, ah, he's not probably going to be the guy. You know? Yeah. yeah. So it's Phillips well, the, the guy. Thi- the thing go. about Phillips, though, the thing about Phillips, though, Phillips is a top 10 player. Right. Like he, he is a one of the 10 best football players in this draft. I, I kind of punished him, you know, with some of the other concerns and on my list to drop him to where I dropped him, which was still um, he's like my 22nd guy. Um, again, if you're comfortable with him, he's one of the 10 best players in the draft. He's the most talented edge rusher in the draft class, mm-hmm. period. Um, so. That comes down to whether you feel comfortable with where everything is that you don't see on the field, the stuff you got to get comfortable with. That would be the, the question there. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, in your first mock draft, something that, that surprised me a little bit was that you initially had the Ravens taking a safety for TCU. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trayvon Morig. 
And they obviously have their starting safeties with Chuck Clark, Deshaun Elliott. But what is it you like about him and, and, and felt like, you know, he could be the best player available and, and a guy that you can't pass up? Well, you know, Ozzy used to always say, you know, hey, we don't need to hit home runs. This is get doubles in the first round. And if you're going to kind of describe a double um, as somebody with, you know, instincts, you know, just he's uh, he's reliable, dependable. There's no, you know, you don't see any kind of a roller coaster ride with him. Every game, he just plays at a very high level, and you know exactly what you're getting. Uh, so a very high floor prospect to me kind of fit more of that mold that, that Baltimore's had so much success with. They don't miss, uh, rarely miss. Um, and to me, he feels like one of the safer picks in the draft. So, uh, you know, having, having uh, you know, players already in place at a position has never stopped the Ravens uh, from taking who they would deem the best player available. Right. I guess that would apply to quarterback to cornerback too. I mean, yeah. they're loaded at corner, but it's yeah. like maybe that that same logic probably applies there too. Yeah, I, I, it's something that's always been talked about in that room. You know, four. If you have three corners, you need four. If you've got four, you want five. <laughs> uh, you can afford to be greedy at that position, and they're in as good a shape as any team in the league. Right. Offensive line, obviously, that was a position that they wanted to address this off off season. They already signed Kevin Zeitler. Uh, you know, center. So uh, we've been looking at the centers kind of and projecting that that could be a possibility, but they they haven't invested a lot at that position, at least with high draft picks over the years. Yeah. Th- this year, there's Landon Dickerson, there's Creed Humphrey, Quinn Miners. Like, is this the year if the Ravens are going to say, "All right, you know, we're gonna we're gonna spend some some draft capital on it"? Is this the year you think that they could do it, and that would be a wise pick? Yeah, not in one. I mean, not in round one, but I think, again, in a trade-back scenario where you collect some extra picks, maybe on day two um, as a possibility, you've got some good options there. But again, when you have a track record with undrafted free agents at that position, there's kind of a there's a feeling that, hey, let's address some of these other spots. We've got a knack for kind of finding these guys and not only you know surviving with them, actually been pretty good football players. So um, and gosh, that goes all the way back. Uh, the name's going to escape me now in the early on the Super Bowl team on the 2000 Super Bowl team. Thank you, Mike Flynn. <laughs> Mike Flynn go. was undrafted. Right. Was undrafted as well. So I mean, this goes back 20 plus years, right? Uh, where they've been able to find that. So yeah, I, even though there's good football players, I, I, if I'm in that room, I'm like, guys, we why would we do this? We can find these guys later. The, the other option is obviously offensive tackle, you know, depending on what happens with Orlando Brown Jr. Is, is this a really yeah. rich class in offensive tackles? And you kind of mentioned teams maybe trying to move up into the end of the first round. Could that be Baltimore staying and picking one of those, all things depending with Orlando? Oh, no, I think that's a possibility. Yeah, it's a good group. It's a good group of tackles. Now, the arm length on these guys was was underwhelming um, mm. uh, compared to what some of the previous years are, but we didn't have the combine. So it's different. It's not everybody getting measured at the same by the same guy at Indy. Um, so I think some teams are a little bit skeptical of some of these uh, arm measurements that have come through this year. But I think there are. There are going to be quality offensive linemen there. You know, we'll see. Christian Derisaw uh, from Virginia Tech is somebody that uh, has a chance to be there. We'll see what happens with Tevin Jenkins, uh, a talented player at Oklahoma State. Eichenberg is somebody that's really uh, well thought of around the league. And if you, you know, if Orlando gets traded, you just go Notre Dame bookends, um, <laughs> and then off you go. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Orlando thing is is like kind of the great unknown, and that there's going to be a ripple effect there if the Ravens end up moving him. I mean, he's basically if, if the Ravens make that trade, they could move up a significant amount. You would think, and, and you would they would probably. It, it seems like they would probably do that with somebody in mind. Like if they're moving up. 10, I don't know how many, 15 yeah. spots, you know, to, in the first round. 
who would be the people that would be worthy of that type of pick if there's, you know, and it's got to be a match, obviously. The team that's making the move would obviously need the tackle and you would want the player that's at that spot. Gosh, that's a that's an interesting one. You know, I have not, I've been focused so much on these top 10 mm-hmm. trades and the quarterbacks and I have, you almost kind of forget about the whole Orlando Brown situation. <laughs> and I, you know, I was a proponent with the Sam Darnold thing of, of the Jets trying to figure out a way to package Darnold with a pick and, and move all the way up in the draft. And I actually love the idea of taking Orlando um, as a, as a trade ship. And then maybe you go up to where the chargers are picking a team that doesn't have a left tackle at this point in time. Um, and then all of a sudden now you're picking up there in the top 12, if you're the Ravens now, you know, who would be there and who would be of interest to them. And I mentioned Quiddy pay earlier um, is somebody that would, would make some sense there to get him a, a big time rusher. You also, you know, I said, you know, I don't think they go receiver. If you get up there and now you're you're in the uh, the Waddle Devonte Smith range, that would be pretty tempting, I think. If you're the Ravens, I know, like to me, you put either one of those guys and plug him in that offense with Lamar, it'd be dynamic. There you. Ravens like fans are going to love that idea. Yeah, but you, you have to remember you're also losing Orlando Brown Jr. in that. Yeah, equation. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. yeah. And then again, well, maybe you, you trade up there, and maybe it's you know Rashawn Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, whoever you know, whatever offensive lineman, you kind of start the clock over again on a on a on a rookie deal. But uh, you know, the Ravens might be in a situation where they say, "Hey, we can you know get a tackle here in the second round, um, and we can get a premier player there." That would, I'm going to steal that. I'm stealing that. It's going to be on path to the draft in the next 24 hours. <laughs> you just got to give me credit. Oh, just boy. And, you know, give me annotation no, there. Do not there's do no that. There's no, Garrett, there's no credit coming, pal. This is thievery. <laughs> this is just pure thievery. I'll give you a wink. You know what? You know yeah. when uh, basketball players, you know, they like get ready to shoot a free throw and they touch their face to say hi to their kids? Mm-hmm. I'll do that. Yeah. So that, that I just know that. I'm talking to you when I when I use yes. that. Oh, I'm going to be watching Pat to the draft very closely. Very closely. <laughs> this is the worst. His head is getting so much bigger now, Daniel. This is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is Eric's third draft as the GM. You know, how do you kind of evaluate his first two drafts, and and is his style, uh, the way he navigates the draft and and handles it, different from Ozzy's? Now that we have a two draft sample size. Yeah, I mean, Eric's always going to try and, you know, move around and create value and, and uh, kind of understand the whole, you know, the whole value of the draft is something he's always been intrigued by um, and maybe a little bit more creative in terms of how he's going about it. But at the end of the day, it's still the same principles that they look for in players. And it's why the track record has remained, you know, outstanding in, in the transition from Ozzy to Eric. Eric's done a great job of, uh, of kind of sticking to that core philosophy that they've had there for a long, long time. And that's... Uh, you know, fine and fast, instinctive, tough football players that, that uh, kind of fit that Raven mold. And depending on, you know, how you do it, if you want to stick and pick, trade up, trade down, you know, take current players, you know, think about comp picks in the future, all that strategy. At the end of the day, you, you got to make a pick. And he's done a great job of just sticking uh, to the tried and true formula that's worked there for a long time. I think the big, uh, one of the big, obviously, changes this year is just the no combine. You mentioned that. Do you think that, the different process leading into this year's draft will lead to more uncertainty on draft night and potentially even more misses over the course of the weekend. Yeah. I think we're going to look back on this and see it's a pretty bad uh, hit rate on this draft just because the information is not there. Now I do like the fact of kind of the pure football only evaluation, you know, trust your eyes, trust the tape. But a lot of times when you look at the misses, it's because you haven't missed on the player, you've missed on the person. And I think it's a little more difficult to get a handle and get a feel on the person when you didn't have scouts on campus and you didn't get as much face-to-face time. 
So does that behoove a team like the Ravens, who just have this track record of excellent scouts, you know, as like yourself, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, who dig up that information, you know? Yeah, relationships. It just comes down to the relationships that you have, and they're going to be counted on this year more than any other year. But even that being said, it's it's not the same. It, it's not the same when you call somebody versus when you step in their office or when you pull them aside on the way out to practice. You're just going to get better information. Well, Daniel, I got to end it with this. You know, if the draft isn't totally virtual this year, you know, we're not going to get to see yeah. inside these guys' homes, right? And one thing, yeah. I, one thing I'm going to miss is not getting to see if John Harbaugh added to his birdhouse collection. Do, you, do you, yeah. how, what are what are your good call? <laughs> what are your feelings on uh, the draft not being virtual again? Do you, are you going to kind of miss it? What, how do you feel about all that? I- I had a. Uh, I was thankful the draft went off last year because I know there was a time where we were like, "Is this even going to happen?" So I don't want to. I, I enjoyed it. It was nice being home. I cannot wait to get to Cleveland. I am excited. I'm going to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hopefully, mask up, sneak into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then uh, nice. And I'm, I'm again. I'm just so happy that uh, we're going to get to do this thing in person this year. Nice, cool. For sure. Well, Daniel, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Well, some really interesting stuff from Daniel, I thought, particularly on wide receiver. I could just like feel Ravens fans' hearts going, <laughs> just breaking as he's like, nah, wouldn't be good a good move to take a wide receiver in the first round. Now, you know, he did say trade back and take one, which, hey, fine. All right. Get some extra picks and still get the guy that Ravens fans like. That sounds like a good scenario. Well, that's, that's what this interesting is like. Is Terrace Marshall Jr. there in the second round? Well, some drafts have him going in the first, but not all. His doesn't. Um, and so you potentially could move back to, I don't know, say move back 10 picks, and then you could still get Bateman or Marshall. What that was he really had, he, he had Bateman as like the 49th best prospect? That's like yeah, a good I, I second thought, round. I know. And, and there Something are, like you know, if you remember last year, there was talk of the Ravens taking T. Higgins, you know, um, uh-huh. in the first round, and he went in the second. Um so, you know, those things can, can obviously happen. But I thought that was interesting. I, I thought that um, that was kind of an eye-opener to me as, as I listened to him on that. Um, and then, I, you know, I think the, the wild card there, as we talked about a little bit, is, is the Orlando Brown Jr. piece. And that would be that, – that to me could be the most exciting piece of draft weekend. And I'm not just saying this because he liked my idea. But if the Ravens <laughs> were to – package Orlando and you, and you get up in the top 15 and you're in that potentially Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith category. Well, now, now you're one of the talks of draft weekend. And, and that's, that to me is an exciting part as much as I, you know, would like to hold on to Orlando. If you're going to trade him, you might as well be around and it's, you know, a little, a little excitement. Yeah, that, that would be, that would be very exciting. We would all get out of work earlier. You know, we wouldn't be picking so late. <laughs> so I, I'm down for no, that. I've learned my lesson with that. I, I, now, the Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson pick, comes. you gotta stay, I gotta stay till pick 32, no matter what. Stay until the bitter <laughs> end, I'm staying until they turn the lights on in Cleveland. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about wide receivers in the second round is I feel like, I feel like every single year this happens, right? Like, you get out of the first round and you're like, you know, the second round will be a sweet spot for the Ravens to draft mm-hmm. a wide receiver. And then all of them are off the board in the first half of the second round. Because in, in part, part of that is like, you often have teams or you'll sometimes have teams that drafted a quarterback or drafted a quarterback last year and they're looking to pair them with a weapon, right? 
Like they, they do that kind of one, two punch quarterback wide receiver, give them somebody to throw the ball to and, and let that, that duo kind of, you know, blossom. And so like you even saw that last year. I mean, yeah. here's pick number 33. First pick in the second round, there goes T. Higgins, who was a guy who was linked to the Ravens somewhat, even in the second round, potentially. There goes Michael Pittman Jr., you know, one pick later. There goes LaVisca Chenault, K.J. Hamler, Chase Claypool. You know, all those guys went by pick 49, so basically by the first half of the second round. Yep. And so, and then you, then I always just feel like the wide receiver selection is slim by the time you get to the end of that round. Uh, so trading back, if, if like the wide receiver is what you want, if you feel like that's really what we want to address, uh, I do think that trading back into that mix early in the second round is a scenario that makes a lot of sense. Right. I, I, I totally agree. And there's been so many times you spent all day on Friday after that first round and you're looking at all those guys and it, Oh, T Higgins is going to be there. KJ Hamler or whoever, Chase Claypool. And you're thinking right. about that. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 gone. Now right. it ended up working out in the Ravens favor, favor last year. They get JK Dobbins who just falls into their lap. So it's hard to argue against the strategy, but mm-hmm. if you are trying to find that receiver, it could be difficult if you're trying to get them at the end of the second round. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think I, I, pass, I, I, pass yeah. rusher is just intriguing, man. Yeah, pass rusher is just like I don't think anybody knows how that's going to play out. You know, I mean, early on, I saw Quiddy Pay is a guy who was in the early twenties. You know, going to Cleveland, you know, one or whatever two picks before. Uh, you know, so is that a guy who could potentially slide? Is Jalen Phillips like we talked about a guy who could slide? You know, which of those guys? Because there's so many options there. Which of them are going to be available at 27, I think, is is the big question. It seems to me like he is going to, in his final mock draft, he's going to have the Ravens taking a pass rusher. Like He, he wants, as he looks mm-hmm. at this team, pass rusher seems like the route that he's heavily leaning on. I mean, he's saying, basically, receiver, no. Interior offensive lineman, particularly center, yeah. no. Um, right. He's like, okay, maybe you could take a tackle, but... I. Just on the Orlando Brown thing, like I, I would be surprised if, if the Ravens don't trade Orlando by the no. first round or in the first round, then I think that he's going to be on the team. And so then, if if like so, then I'm why would take you... it a first round tackle, right? Right, so exactly. Then, like, have that guy next year maybe take over for Orlando? Like, nah. Right. That's my that's my thing. So I mean, if you trade him, then then that changes the calculation. But I just if he's on the team when you're picking in the first round, then it seems like there's a, probably a good chance that he's going to be on the team this fall. Right. So so then tackle there probably doesn't make sense. So then like as you look at the needs, it's it's basically pass rusher. That's kind of right. it. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean. That's why I, I'm leaning that way in my seven round Ravens mock draft. I already called my guy. You know, I've you two already, days I'm, ago you I'm called like, Terrace Marshall Jr. Nah, nah, I might call a couple more pass rushers right now. <laughs> block them off, block them off. You can't take them. Um, you know, I mean, because really it's a short term and long term need. Yeah. I mean, Pernell McPhee's back on a one year deal, right? Jalen Ferguson is going into his third season. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think. The jury's still out on how big a role Jalen's going to earn ultimately. You know, I mean, they have immediate and long-term needs there. So it makes a whole lot of sense to get one of those pass rushers. Yeah, yeah. It was just, um, uh, he, he has great insight, man. He really does. Um, and you can just like, that to me was eye-opening to, to kind of, as you think through the positions and give the Ravens, given the Ravens track record of success at certain positions, then it makes sense as to why, 
the draft could play out the way it is. Like, why they wouldn't take a, re- a receiver in the first round. You know, if they don't have them highly graded, they're not going to reach. Like, just because they want another receiver. If 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 DaCosta in the Ravens front office board looks like Jeremiah's, and they have Rashad Bateman as the 47th best prospect or whatever he said, and Terrace Marshall Jr. is the 38th, well, they're not taking him at 27. They're not going to go that yes. route. And, no. and, and I just think that that is um, – Hearing from him always gives me a little bit of insight into how the Ravens could be thinking. Well, plus, my guy, Sammy Watkins, is going to be here for five more years. That's like true. He said. Yes, that's true. So, that, there you go. That, you don't need a wide receiver. True. Hey, got it done. You got it done. <laughs> got it done. Um, so, anyway, really great stuff from Daniel. Uh, make sure you watch Path to the Draft. Uh, tune into NFL Network for the NFL Draft. Garrett, what else we got? What, yeah, just so you can podcast. Yeah, Daniel's everywhere, man. You can watch him on Draft Weekend. <laughs> yeah. You can watch him on Path to the Draft on the NFL Network. And follow him on Twitter at Move the Sticks. And make sure you check out his Move the Sticks podcast, which he hosts along with Bucky Brooks. So really enjoy the conversation with him. Uh, over the course of the next week, we've got some more heavy hitters lined up. Uh, we're going to have, you know, one of, one of his competitors, the, the original draft Ooh. expert, Mel oh, Kuyper. No, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> We're going to have Mel on next week, so we're going back-to-back with uh, two of the biggest in the game uh, in the draft coverage. Um, and let us know if you have specific questions you want us to ask Mel. Email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. We'll try to get some of your questions uh, to Mel next week. So that's it for us. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Mm-hmm.